We have a lot of respect for people who practice different religions, and our purpose with this podcast is to simply identify and deconstruct problematic evangelical ideologies. Oh, hi there. I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It seems like it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part, because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology? Hi, welcome to Adventures in Ideology. This is a show where we listen to and discuss the radio drama Adventures in Odyssey, created in 1986 by Focus on the Family and still running today. If you were raised evangelical, you're probably familiar with it. And if you were not, prepare for some insights into a kind of bizarre subculture. Adventures in Odyssey was created with the express purpose of indoctrinating children and reinforcing Christian values and teachings inside people's homes. And it was and is still highly effective. We listened to and loved the show growing up. And now we're listening with a more discerning ear to identify and deconstruct the problematic ideas that are being incepted into children's minds. We also examine how these ideas have played out in our own lives. We're so excited you're here. Welcome to our show. I'm Candice. <laughs> and I'm Karis. And we have our special guest today, our good friend, Mitch. Welcome, Mitch. Hi, I'm Mitch. Um, I'm really excited to have you here. Because I know you have some crazy stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm just overflowing with crazy stories and very excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you too. Can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and what's your relationship with Adventures in Odyssey? You mean the journey of my faith? Um, yes. Yeah, so, we would love to hear it. So your testimony? <laughs> my testimony? Someone asked or referred to me talking about like my religious history as my testimony, just like I don't know, I think a year and a half ago. And it was something I hadn't, it was a term I hadn't heard in like a decade. Really took me back. So uh, I grew up in the Anglican church, uh, which was very, um, you know, the Anglican church has its own problems, but for me, it was fine. I was first exposed to Adventures in Odyssey through audio cassettes that uh, my mom got because audio cassettes were something that she used to try to get me to sleep. Didn't work. That was my first exposure to evangelicalism. And then later I began attending Bible camp because it was what was there. Through people that I met at Bible camp, I got exposed to more Christians of my own age who weren't in their 70s or older, which is the majority of the congregation in an Anglican church, which was also how I discovered uh, Christian girls of the same age and got kind of tied up in evangelical churches in high school. And that's how I got into a lot of trouble, got kind of drawn up into uh, the beginnings of some leadership stuff, and then explosively exited and never looked back. And I'm glad to be gone. I love that you say like getting drawn up into leadership was getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Because you either kind of have to like give up your thoughts and you tow the party line and like reinforce some really toxic stuff or, or leave like you did. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I thought that, you know, I was 
so arrogant as a teenager. Uh, I went in thinking that, you know, I knew that there were problems, but I could fix things. And Mm -hmm. one, I had just no idea how deeply and horribly the problems ran. And two, no, I could not fix shit. You know, leadership in, and uh, I want to be clear, this was just the beginnings of things like running occasional youth group sermons and the like. But it was all very strange because I quickly accumulated a reputation of like, oh, Mitch is so wise. Mitch is so godly. Mitch has a profound insight into the mind of God. And whenever I had a conversation with someone and they would walk away and they would walk away with just kind of what they had already wanted to believe through the lens of the evangelical church, when I was like trying to scream the exact opposite at them, Mm -hmm. it kind of didn't matter what I said. Either I became what they expected me to be or it didn't matter because that's what I would be to them anyways. They projected it onto you regardless. Yeah. Yeah. This is so interesting to me because, um, Mitch, it's like you could do nothing wrong in the church. And Candace, anytime you tried to like bring things up, <laughs> you could do nothing right. <laughs> it's no, so true. That's, that's going to be a big topic because, yeah, um, I learned the hard way about just how much uh, men can do nothing wrong in the evangelical church. And uh, realizing that that same fucked up standard was being applied to me uh really put my head through a trip you know mm-hmm. yeah because it can either totally yeah like it, if you buy into it it just it ruins you as a human being <laughs> oh just like phenomenal cosmic power you know yeah <laughs> itty bitty living space Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're trapped inside your own head with no yeah. ideas because yeah it's a completely bankrupt theology i'm excited to get into some of these stories that you have but to start we'll get Karis to kind of read a quick summary two two sentence summary of the episode we're talking about which is camp what a nut part one and two mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of dive in and start talking about some of this stuff Yeah. All right. Here's the quick description. Uh, In the first camp, what a nut adventure, because there is more than one. It comes back later. Donnie McCoy learns about being short. Chaz Wentworth is put in his place and Ned Lewis deals with a crush. So uh, you'll notice Ned is back from the VBS episode. Wiener Ned. And don't worry, he's still just as much of a wiener in this episode. I also, there's no girls. Do you like him? Yeah. Um, there's no yeah. there's no girls that are like having realizations. It's all like a journeys yeah, of different boys. masculinities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ho- hold on. There's there's one girl. Yeah, there's a girl that's there to to oh, facilitate oh, I... the journey of the of Ned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, like in my notes in the margins, I have in all caps. Where are the women? But oh yeah, uh, <laughs> because it's going to be pretty important. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Any other initial thoughts before we jump into the episode? Any? We should say Mitch is no. a Mitch is a perfect person to have on this because he was a camp counselor. Yes. 
Yes, had a Bible so camp. I was a counselor at a Bible camp. Uh, I I did the full circuit from camper to uh, unpaid volunteer doing grunt work to junior counselor to uh, being having senior counselor responsibilities foisted on me without pay because my senior counselor was sick uh, to not becoming a senior counselor (laughs) yes i'm excited to get there there. karis did you ever were you ever a camp counselor um i mean i was once but it was a it wasn't like a camp camp it was like the college that i just like was working at at the summer and we had a kids camp one week and so i got to be a camp counselor for that Mm -hmm. week which was actually did the what? kids like stay in your room then or? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, okay. um, we took over one of the dorms. One of the girls um, rolled off the top bunk and landed on me in the middle of the night. <laughs> nice. night and woke up and like went back to bed. And then the next morning she was like, I had the weirdest dream last night. Like she climbed back up and went to bed or she just slept beside yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, I like, wow. No, she, she climbed back up and went back to bed. I like, Woke her up and made sure she was okay and everything. She was fine. She just went right back to bed. Well, the days are so, or at least in my experience, like the days are so absolutely packed at Bible camp that mm-hmm. yeah, the the kids sleep like dead rocks. Yeah, you know? and all the fresh air and everything. Mm-hmm. What about you, Candace? No, I never was. No. I have never Dude. had an opportunity to influence young minds young lives. other than <laughs> uh, this, this podcast. And actually I did youth work for a while in England, but I, I wouldn't say I was particularly good at it. Uh, what about attending? Uh, well, our dad used camp. to be the speaker at a lot of camps. So we went to a lot of family camps um, okay. and then yeah. we would always stay in a cabin with just our family. Yeah. Um, and then, and then kind of run around and do whatever we wanted during the day. So we, we've had, like, I've, I've had the camp experience from like being at camp, but yeah, I never got to be a counselor. Hmm. Yeah. I have good memories of, of being at camp though. Oh yeah. I, I, I want to say like, I'm going to have a lot of really negative things to say, but um, so much of that came from like the senior leadership from what at the time was the Canadian Sunday school mission. And what, what did they rename themselves? One hope. Um, Uh, One hope. Yeah. Yeah. At the, like at the camp staff doing actual camp business and not the indoctrination business level, uh, everyone was just there to give kids a good time. And for the most part, they, you know, succeeded. It was, um, Apart from the parts where it was really not okay, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, actually, I just remembered when I was doing my internship for getting my theology degree, I was working at a church in Grand Prairie and they were short um, camp counselors. They did like a summer camp for the kids at a camp just out of town and they were short camp counselors. And so then I had to go be a camp counselor for two weeks and or at least one week i can't remember if i had to do both but one of our girls brought lice with her oh (laughs) oh no yeah it was a horrible week it was a horrible week but i also made a couple friends a couple of the girls in my cabin were really fun so Mm -hmm. oh i was there for two weeks yeah 
One week was a huge nightmare. Both weeks were kind of a nightmare. I'm glad I don't camp council anymore, actually. (laughs) Good times. Um, Anyway, okay, let's get started. So this whole episode is told through Donnie McCoy writing in his journal. They love the writing in the journal gig. Well, and he's voiced by the same person, I'm pretty sure, who voices Jimmy. So I think this is why... Is he? He sounds the same. Yeah. He sounded different to me. Huh. Oh, no, it's not. In the original script, Donnie's part was originally supposed to be that of Jimmy Barkley, but the actor was on vacation. Huh. Oh, that explains why they they brought in a new character. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Who is the same character. Yeah. (laughs) And that actually would make sense with the journal thing. If they would have yeah. kept it as Jimmy, since we already know he, that he has a journal and likes to write in it. So that's why Don, this Don, character, Donnie McCoy, is writing in his journal. So the whole thing is from the perspective of him narrating it to his journal. So it starts at the camp, Camp Whatanut. Wit founded it. He's the camp director. Of they course. start by in- introducing, of course, yeah, <laughs> introducing Marco, the head cook. Wit explains that. Camp Wadanut was originally called Wayakital Aniti, which, <laughs> according to him, is an Indian phrase that means land that stinks like swamp. And he said, we didn't really want to be known as that. But if you step back and look at the phrase, then these stand- letters stand out. And that's where the name came from. The W and the T and the A and the N and the T all stand out. And so that's where they got Wadanut from. And everyone so, laughs because it's such a funny story. And everyone laughs. Like what? Right? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's a, it's aged well. Yeah. It, right? It really yeah. 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 Uh, and by Indian, he means like indigenous people. Indigenous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of a completely nondescript, you know, unspecific yeah, of, tribe because why of would you whatever bother? area. Yeah. Whatever location yeah. they are in. They're not there and now, the- and we're not going to get into why, so let's just move on. <laughs> well, and the, I yes. feel like they also, this is a very white person thing, like making yes. a joke out of like yep. an indigenous name for something, you know? Oh, isn't that yeah. like such a silly, funny, ridiculous name? Of course, we don't want to be named that because yeah. that's so barbaric or whatever you know yeah Yeah. respectful candace to reduce their culture that you murdered to a fart joke (laughs) right that's representation you're right yeah (laughs) and then and then like take their the words from their language and yeah pick out some letters so that it's like a, a funny cute name go white people go wit (laughs) um so then we're introduced to to this other character chaz who trips donnie and then says don't get mad it was just a joke which is just like a phrase that just makes me so mad but um they find out they're in the same cabin and Donnie's explaining that Chaz thinks that because he has money, his family has money, that he can get away with anything. The trouble is, most of the time, he can. 
And then Wit is talking to Ned. Again, Ned, who from the VBS episode. Nasally Ned. Uh, na- <laughs> nerdy Ned. Also, just the fact that his name <laughs> is literally just nerd without the R. I just, <laughs> like, <laughs> I realized that today. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, anyway. And so so they're really just kind of going through. It's the start of camp. Everyone's excited. Lots of buzz in the air. And Donnie is like, it, in kind of, it's the episode is kind of introducing characters. So then they introduce Donnie's sister, Gloria, who comes over and is talking to uh, Wit and Ned and Donnie. And she's like. Uh, she's the yeah. only girl in the whole episode. And she talks like this. Hi, Ned. Hi, Ned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, so so within the text of the episode, it's supposed to be construed as, like... um, Flirtatious. Aggressively flirty in a way that is pretty uncomfortable to be construing a 12-year-old. Um, yes. But also, I'm reminded of, do you know that Kids in the Hall sketch about the guy with the sarcastic voice? Oh, I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> no. This is just a little speech impediment. I can't help it. Can't <laughs> yes. make friends because no, wait! Oh, I yeah. really want to be friends with you. <laughs> yes. My voice just sounds like this. <laughs> I feel like she has that problem. At this point, it sounds like Gloria has a crush on Ned because because of the way that she talks and because mm-hmm. she's at one point she's like, that. "Oh, you're so funny." <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. yeah, yeah. And she's, like, trying um, to so highlight then, the fact that she's in grade seven and not in grade six. Right. right? Yeah. I'm older. I'm, yeah. And and there's lines about, like, stuff for her true love. And, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 They lay it on really, really, really they thick. Do. Oh, shoot. No, that's okay. okay. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. No. <laughs> Episode ruined. We have to throw it all away. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's, yeah, exactly. And so then they're all talking about, so they lay it on really thick that Donnie is short. Mm-hmm. He's not very tall, but he's going to be in sixth grade next year. Gloria calls him short and he says, I'm not short. I'm just small boned. And I'd rather be small boned than big boned like someone else I know. And then, um. The worst thing to be if you're a girl is fat. Yes. As right? we are communicated in this episode. In this, yeah. Yeah. It's like the worst insult you can give a girl. Donnie finds out he's in Ned's cabin. Um, and so they're walking to the cabin and they hear a lot of noise coming from the cabin. And it turns out there's a philopite, philo- is what I was going to say, uh, pillow fight happening inside. Ned, you know, freaks out, cut it out. And then it's like, all right, who started this? Never mind. I'm going to brush my teeth. When I get back, I want everyone in bed and quiet. He leaves and Chaz calls Donnie over and says, I saved you a lo- I saved you a bunk. I saved you the lower one because I knew that it would that you wouldn't be able to reach the higher one or something. So he's like doing this, but he's not doing it to be nice. He's doing it to be mean and then he talks about how he gets to go to all of the camps again kind of highlighting his 
financial status and the fact that the only reason he's at this camp is because his dad owns part of it. I also just thought he probably like has a terrible relationship with his parents. Like it seems like they just kind of send him away all summer, but he tries to like spin it as a good thing. Like I get to go to every kind of camp. The kids don't like him. Maybe his parents also don't like him. Well, or maybe his parents are like that, you know, like his parents sound like they maybe don't even want to spend time with their kid. If they're just like sending him off all over all summer. Or they just work, you know, I mean, I'm demonizing them, but. Either way, it's kind of sad. The kind of insecurity that he shows in the episode is something that probably gets picked up from a combination of his parents behaving exactly like the same kind of snob and yeah, not being very good to him. So Ned comes back and as soon as he comes back, the lights go out. He can't find his way to his bed and he keeps tripping over the suitcase and everyone's like watch out for the suitcase and uh then he finally gets to his bed and he finds out that someone put pine cones in his in his sleeping bag you know just kids being kids just showing (laughs) you know the funds of camp i mean i i love summer camp practical jokes you know prank wars are great (laughs) what's the best one that you were part of to experience but uh (laughs) oh um okay (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I do have one for this. Uh, so one guy that, uh, I did maintenance with and then because you start doing maintenance as like a fairly young teenager and then you're still attending the older teenager camps as well. Anyways, he was the soundest sleeper I've ever experienced in my entire life was occasionally a problem. Like, you know, he'd sleep through important tasks and alarms and things one morning we lifted him out of his bunk in his sleeping bag which did not wake him up uh duct taped him to a picnic bench very securely um and when he woke up and found that he couldn't move he's panicked and started thrashing around and this loosened the duct tape enough not for him to get out or for the sleeping bag to get free but for the sleeping bag to kind of swing around (laughs) and fall down underneath the picnic bench so he was hanging suspended by duct tape underneath this picnic bench and if you've ever been underneath a picnic bench at a campsite like they're covered in cobwebs and the like so when he eventually got out he was insanely angry and understandably like oh uh, uh, very understandably moved with some of the greatest purpose and force i've ever seen in my life grabbed all of our luggage and like monkey climbed incredibly fast to the top of a tree and stashed them up there and we had to go up and climb and get them out of the trees And um, I think he tried smearing peanut butter in them with like some kind of grand scheme idea that a squirrel would jump out at us. Instead, he just made our luggage incredibly messy. But yeah. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) Yes. No, we deserved it. I mean, there was enough. Actually, I can't I can't say that for sure. I felt like there were no hard feelings either way. Um, Yeah, that's good. Maybe there were. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Who knows, right? You're like, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> fair enough. You put my luggage at the top of a tree and he's still seething inside. Like, it I wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. He's like still planning his revenge. It's a couple days later and Chaz complains about the food. Marco, So Marco is Marco the cook that we met earlier, the Italian cook, is fixing a rusty valve. And Chaz gives him the paper list of the food that he would prefer to eat. 
And Marco uses it to like wipe the valve and Chaz uh, basically gets upset. And like, <laughs> Chaz is like, no, that's not my dad paper. owns this camp and I want you to yeah. feed me like this. And Mark was like, no, that's not going to happen. And if I was you, I wouldn't stand there. <laughs> yeah, basically. So he like called, he's like, Chaz is like, my, my father is your boss. And Mark was like, oh, that makes you the little boss. Hey. And so for the rest of the episode, he calls him little boss. But yeah, so he tells him not to stand there and then uh, opens, fixes the valve and opens it. And Chaz gets covered in water and then walks away muttering something about getting even. Gloria has signed up for one of Ned's arts and crafts classes and Ned's walking around and complimenting different things people are whittling. Gloria shows him her project and it's a heart. She says it's going to be a necklace for her true love and there's room on the front to carve two sets of initials. Uh, and and what are those initials? N, L, and G, M, I think. Yeah. I didn't Ned. write it down. But Ned Lewis. that's also Ned's initials. Yes. Yeah. And Gloria McCoy. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, then Donnie tells about he's having a pretty good time, except everything that he does isn't working. He's not having a pretty good time. He's, yeah, he's Doesn't having he a terrible time. But yeah. he, says, he says, I'm having a pretty good time, I guess. Except... Yeah, yeah, he's trying to and then he's like, himself. Mm-hmm. He, they had like a science class and he tried to mix chemicals to get glue and got kicked out because of an explosion. He tried to go fishing, but then the fish kept pulling him out of the boat. He tried to play softball, but he couldn't hit the ball farther than the pitcher's mound. So he's like having a rough time. If and- you're short, you if you're short, you have no muscles and are also bad at science. <laughs> right? Life is hard. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Wit takes him on a walk because, you know, Wit always can tell. Because mm-hmm. he's like, God, or he, has, perfect. he has a personal relationship with each child at that camp. Yes. Yeah. How is your personal relationship with Mr. Whitaker? <laughs> <laughs> he has a plan for your life. Mitch. So uh, for the record, like as regressive and backwards and haphazard as a lot of camp stuff is, uh, one thing that they were pretty good about is they take uh, sexual assault very seriously. Um, oh, that is good. In their own twisted evangelical way. But uh, one one like perfectly like ordinary and you know kind of important mandatory uh, thing is maybe don't go off completely on your own with a single child, not telling anyone where you are. Yeah. Um, never do yeah. this. Never do this. <laughs> but if you are the founder and director of the camp, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And as we know, yeah. Mr. Whitaker loves to put a child in danger. That's his whole shtick. Yeah. He's like, he loves that. He gets off on that. Yeah, not just for, like, sexual assault awareness reasons, but for, like, an abundance of reasons. You know, never do this exact thing that Wit does. And, of course, we'll see why, and he won't learn a goddamn thing. Here's what happens. So they go for a walk. They see a deer. The deer, Wit gives Donnie some bread, and the deer eats the bread out of Donnie's hand. And he's so excited 
And then they see a bear in the distance. And Wit isn't too concerned until he realizes that she's got two bear cubs. And then she sees Wit and Donnie. And she runs after them, basically. So they start running. Wit trips and falls. And that's the end of the first episode. Episode two starts with Donnie writing in his journal and kind of catching us up, giving us a recap on everything that's happened so far. So, and then it goes straight back to them being in the woods. So Wit gets up and they don't know where to go. So Wit says, I'm up. Okay, let's go. And Donnie's like, where? And so then Wit prays that God would give them an escape. And then they climb a tree. Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, in my notes, uh, I wrote, I wrote this part down as wit plays to God to bail him out of once again, endangering a child because he has literally no other strategy in life for confronting his mistakes. Um, and this is portrayed as a good thing. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Faith like a child. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that term like gets used to excuse Adults not taking responsibility all the time. A hundred percent. Because it's like, looked it's looked down on to be like an adult. You know, you're supposed to be more childlike. But right. where are the adults in the room, the ones that are like actually taking responsibility and making s- stuff happen, you know? I mean, he, he sure does not reflect on how he got into this situation and how it could have been prevented, which was very easily... I wouldn't be surprised if at the end the bear apologizes to him. As we see. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Or, Do- we'll, or Donnie. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so- oh, gee, Mr. Whitaker, I'm so sorry that my low self-esteem made you cause us to get lost in the woods. That was my bad. But that's actually <laughs> what happens. That's actually like that's actually what Donnie apologizes for. Wait, does he actually? I didn't remember. Yeah, this he part. does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and whoa, then Wit I just called is it like, based on don't the apologize. other episodes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because someone um, always has to apologize to, to Wit when Wit does something wrong. It happens. It's yes. happened in like three episodes this season. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So uh, I like that this is a theme. We'll and we'll probably keep highlighting. Yes, it as we, we need to highlight it every time now. Yeah. So, um, so they climb up a tree and the bear is too big to climb up. So she tries to shake them loose. And then Wit says, we have two things to do. Keep praying and hold on tight. And so then while they're in the tree holding on tight, um, meanwhile, back at the, back at the campsite, Ned and Chaz are in the cabin Chaz has popcorn with him. Ned tells him he's not supposed to have popcorn in the cabins. Um, And then also says that he found a skunk climbing up a tree. Chaz, of course, wants to get closer. um, And Ned tells him no. But but Chaz brought him a package that one of the older, one of the other kids gave him. But he he has no idea who. So Ned opens it. A girl. And it's a wood. Yeah, a girl. Yeah, another girl. Who could it be? There's so many. I ask you. <laughs> uh, yeah. As far as we know, there's only one girl at this whole camp. <laughs> okay, but even when he's like in his class and he's going around and like commenting on the kids' wood carvings, isn't she the only girl yeah. in his class? Like, so he opens it and it's a wood carving of a heart with his initials on it. 
and her initials on it. So, of course, he freaks out and goes to find Wit. Chaz immediately goes to the skunk and bribes him with popcorn and gets him to follow Chaz to Marco's cabin. Because he's still so, so he mad. So he can get his revenge because he's so <laughs> mad at what happened a few days before. Um, and so he traps the skunk in the cabin but forgets to close the window. And the skunk, of course, jumps out the window and keeps following him, hoping for more popcorn. As that's happening, Ned is looking for Wit and finds Marco and tells Marco what's going on. And, you know, is freaking out. Why do? Why does this happen to me? I didn't do anything to lead her on. Uh, and then, so they talk about it. Marco tells him he's going to have to have a talk with her. And then um, they're walking out of the building. Chaz walks up to it. Um, th- there's a line that Marco has, um, oh, th- don't worry, it's not love, it's just camp, which oh, yeah. I think speaks to, yeah. um, an attitude that was very prevalent in, uh, like, how evangelical culture tried to treat teenage crushes of, no, don't worry. You're you're just situated in a situation that is causing you to feel these things. They're, they're not real feelings. They're not legitimate. Um, it's it's not happening. It's not real. Like, don't worry, little girl. Your feelings aren't real. Problem solved. Yeah. Um, it, it reminded me so much of, like, youth retreats, too. Because, you know, every time you go to youth retreat, it's just a whole bunch of horny teenagers, and they're all trying to find someone to, like, hang out with for the weekend like go make out with and like flirt with and who knows maybe do other stuff with (laughs) down by the river where you're not supposed to go um (laughs) it happens yeah i feel like camp is a very similar kind of situation but that made me think of like youth retreat that's Mm -hmm. what i remember most about youth retreats is like and obviously not me because no no boys were ever interested in me but there was lots of other like cute girls and cute boys that were all like trying to get Flirty into with relationships other. with each other and actually like uh, I don't know should we say this this is not on Patreon I was gonna say like our brother <laughs> and his first wife met at a youth retreat yeah yeah and he like got her number he just thought she was really cute and he like got her number Maybe like the first girl he ever got her number for, got a number for. Right. And yeah, it didn't, Um, it didn't work out in the long run. Go figure. There was a girl that I would meet at Bible camp and we would hang out for a week uh, once every summer for four years consecutively. Um, and you know, we would sneak out sometimes and, um, I would later realize that she was trying to get me to kiss her, which I wasn't going to do because I was a good little boy. Um, right. Yeah. But But the man has to make the first move. Like that's what I was taught. Right. Like you can kind of like show that you're open to it, but you have to wait for the guy to make the first move. Caused a lot of problems. Anyways, one time we were out and uh, we ran into two other senior counselors, a man and a woman, and uh, kind of froze. After a significant beat, they said that they were out on night patrol for people who were, had snuck out. 
And then we had to sure go back to were. our cabins. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say they got caught. You caught them. Ooh. I mean, yeah, I mean, we sure as hell weren't going to do anything inappropriate. Not for lack That's of funny. wanting to, but yeah. Um, but I love that just because like they were in higher authority, they could be like, "Listen, this is a thing, and you guys need to go back to your cabin yep. <laughs> and like cover it up." That's so funny. Also, Candace, I'm sure there were boys that were interested in you. Maybe they were just shy. Maybe. They weren't going to kiss you. What? They were not going to kiss me, no. No. Because they weren't supposed to. You were just so (laughs) self-assured and confident. You had to make I was not. I was very (laughs) insecure. Yeah. Yeah, the stuff that they do to these kids' heads, uh, including you know uh, mine at the time, it makes it makes everyone so insecure that mm-hmm. like a- initiating a proper healthy relationship is impossible. Which for them oh, must is. feel like you know problem solved. Um, right. But boy, does it have a lot of collateral damage, you know? Well, I remember when I first started dating Stephen, he was like very honest with me about things, and would just tell me tell me things and I remember like it it really messed with me because I was raised in this like you know relationships they're very complicated and you don't really tell each other what you need or like what you want or the truth about anything you have to just kind of like muddle around and figure it out by like I don't know how you're supposed to figure it out, but this is the impression that I really understood of as relationships in from being raised in the church. And it really messed with me. Like he was, he was very honest and very open and it was really cool. I was like, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> and I didn't really know what to do with it at first. Like, I think that's probably the thing that intrigued me the most about him though. Cause I was like, what are you doing? Why are you telling me the truth about stuff? <laughs> Not that I like wanted to play games. It was just kind of how I thought you had to do it, you know? And also... You literally don't have the tools to do anything else. Nothing. nothing. You know. um, and I also remember like I went to youth retreat and someone that we know was doing a talk that I... Because they... Like in the afternoons, there was always like a bunch of sessions, a bunch of different people gave talks and you kind of picked which one you went to. And so I went to this one um, and it was this guy and his wife talking about relationships, I think. And his advice to the young women, the girls there was don't play hard to get, play impossible to get. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yes, I remember that. And that like... I feel like that is really bad advice, especially if you would like like to be in a relationship at some point, yeah. but you've been told to like, yeah. no, you have to always say no, always. And I definitely said no to people that I liked <laughs> because it, you're also, just supposed to be impossible. Like, yeah. Exactly. And then also what happens is then the guys that are like genuinely good guys are like, oh, okay, no worries. And they like, leave <laughs> I you respect alone. your and boundary. The are, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The guys that are creepy and awful and horrible are like, well, I'm just going to fight harder. And yeah, uh, it, there's half of my relationships right there. <laughs> it, it rewards only those assholes who will absolutely never take no for an answer because that's the yes. only thing that's allowed to break through. Uh, yes. Man. 
relationships, Christian relationships. It's, I feel like it fucked me up so much for so long. I feel like it still has. Yeah, I feel like it still is. Yeah. The skunk follows Chaz. He connects with everybody else. He goes to like the rec hall or whatever. Everyone sees the skunk. Everyone freaks out. The skunk sprays Chaz. (laughs) And then. Justice. uh, Yeah, totally. Yes. And then in the tree. Um, after a while, God answered our prayers because the bear stopped shaking it. And then, so the bear... Thank God uh, for God. <laughs> ...gives up and goes away. Thank you, God. Amen. So they climb down the tree and then they realize that they're lost. Uh, and then back at the camp, Ned goes to talk to Gloria. And before he has a chance to tell her that, like, listen, you're 12, I'm 16... This isn't going to work out. She's like, she says that the heart was for Nathaniel something with the same last, same last initial. Yeah. And that she lost it. She lost the heart. It's for Nathaniel. He's in her class at church. He's so cute. So, and then she says, oh, I just noticed you guys have the same initials. There's one storyline resolved. Yep. Google first. You go first. This was absolutely yeah. maddening to me because this is like, so if you're making children's media for like preteens or the like, like this, this is a, an important sensitive topic. Like this is a thing that comes up. Teenagers get crushes on people who are also teenagers, but a little bit outside of their age group. And I feel like that's something that I wouldn't trust focus on the family or the writers of Adventures in Odyssey to address in a, no. you know, sensitive and uh, positive manner. But what they do instead here is tell Just this kidding. shady dog story of, yeah, like, oh, this Avoid could be a problem. No, it isn't though. It isn't, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to point out that this is a possibility and then completely deny it. Nah, didn't happen. Like what's, what's the message there? Like what was the intent of writing this? What was going on in this person's head? I think it was, they were, they were like, wouldn't it be funny if he thought someone had a crush on him, but they, like, I think they were maybe thinking in terms of like humor, but also just the whole writing of it doesn't make any sense because they first of all made her be so flirty with him from the beginning, like over the top. And then also why would she send him the heart then? Like she says she lost it, but somebody gave it to be sent to him. Like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so remember what we just talked about? Oh, I, I think Karis is no, going go to ahead. say it. Oh, okay. I, just said, I, th- yeah. I think that the writers are telling a different story than they intended. I think she's got evangelical relationship problems, and she did intend that heart for him. That's what I was going to say. Yes, okay. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. 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 But couldn't say it. Couldn't say it. 100%. So then, and she then when she saw it. him, she was like, oh, this doesn't look good. I got it. It's like um, it's like mm. a just kidding thing. Yeah, there this was is another this... case of where are the women? Yeah, because yeah, you know, 100%. if a younger camper has an inappropriate crush on an older counselor who really should be having a talk with them, is a woman camp counselor who mm-hmm. they trust. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. But focus on the family isn't interested in women in positions of authority, so they don't exist. No. Okay, so in later episodes of Camp What a Nut, there is Lucy, my favorite character, 
shows goes to camp what in it and she does all the girl activities and like in one of them there is a lady and she's like teaching them how to scrub the floor and stuff it's like very well yeah it's like gender they get, yeah yes yeah it's super gross i just think this is so interesting compared to like the connie comes to town Ooh. episode where like connie like in that episode, Connie, as the woman, had to be the one to talk to whatever the kid was that had a crush on her, right? That was like, I'm going to go to California with her. And, like, they threw her under the bus. But then in this episode, they're like, just kidding. We're just going to avoid it. Jeez. Yeah. Like, yeah. such a weird double standard. Um, it actually surprised me that the cook uh, is a man in this because Bible camp roles were so strongly gendered. So when you're like coming up into uh, the ministry, uh, before you're a junior counselor, you start as uh, the free unpaid volunteer labor pool doing grunt work. And if you're male, the grunt work is groundskeeping and janitorial. And mm -hmm. if you're female, the work is washing dishes and doing the kitchen work. Um, Peeling full potatoes. stop. Yeah. Yep. Um, Oh, also, they called it the servant training program, which is one of those things that Christians don't oh blame God. at. But like, you tell oh my God. They, they fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things you don't even realize when like, you're in it. Up. Do you think it's though because like the role of the cook? Then, if it's if it's typically done by a woman, it's like for someone kind of for someone kind of of like a lesser worth, you know? Yeah. Uh, because like, oh, women aren't really people, so it's okay if we have like an immigrant man doing it. That's why. That's why he was doing it. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So we're moving on to the Chaz and Marco story. Uh, Marco makes Chaz bath in tomato juice. I think it's interesting that Chaz is the only one that was hit with any skunk spray. But mm -hmm. uh, oh, the, the skunk was is going to be lit up. You know, yeah, like yeah true. but everyone else is freaking out and running away and Mar and chaz is just standing there so then they're talking like why did you want to do that and chaz said that he wanted to get even for the water spray marco's trying to like give him advice you know well marco's like elder... even before i accidentally sprayed you with water you were still being a jerk to everybody like yeah what doesn't your answer my question <laughs> yeah and uh, and then so Chaz says, everyone gives me a hard time because my family has more money than them and they're jealous. <laughs> Marco's like, how do people know that? And Chaz is like, well, I tell them. <laughs> He's like, because in this country, people respect people who have money. He's and Marco, oh, I mean, <laughs> Marco says, people don't respect you for what you have, but how you act. But it's not too late. You just started out on the wrong foot. Just switch your feet. Jesus said it best. Love your neighbor as yourself. You want to be able to show people how much wealth you have non-verbally. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can yeah, be nice about it. it. Like you can be nice about having lots of money and people will still respect you because you have lots of money. Yeah. I thought mm -hmm. there was also something very interesting here. So Marco gives what is... Um, on the surface, like pretty good advice to Chaz of like, you know, when you go out and seek to take revenge and hurt people, often you end up hurting yourself. Revenge mm -hmm. isn't the right path. Um, so r remind me again, the the instigating factor for Chaz wanting to get revenge on Marco was um, 
What did Marco do uh, in, what is it, uh, retaliation? Maybe we might say revenge for Chaz treating him poorly. <laughs> like th- this, this adult hosed down the kid with water because he was being a twerp. <laughs> And then oh, teaches yeah. him over a lesson about how revenge isn't the right path. Like, come on. That's yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's, he yeah, like right. he warned him, but he didn't wait okay, to like turn on. the thing. He could have just waited <laughs> till he yeah, wasn't yeah. standing right there. Okay. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. So that's two storylines mostly resolved. So the Last only one, one left is Wit and Donnie in the forest. I also love that Wit is, or Donnie is writing about all of this and experienced none of it. I know, yeah. It says, like, at the end, I didn't find out about all that until way later. (laughs) Yeah. Which raises the question of why are we using this journal conceit? That's why. uh, I know. Uh, So Wit and Donnie are in the forest. Um, They are going in the right direction, but they keep going around in circles. So then Wit apologizes to Donnie for getting him in this mess. Donnie then says it's his own fault that, you know, if he wasn't so bad at everything like Mitch said earlier, then they wouldn't have, Wit wouldn't have invited him out for a walk. Wit suggests or says something about, well, if we could get above the trees, we could see where the camp is and we could be going in the right, make sure we're going in the right direction. So Donnie offers to climb a tree and Wit prays for protection while Donnie climbs. Um, so he gets up to the top. He's so high up, he can't even see the ground. He looks around. Finally, he sees the camp. You know, I did it. I did it. I found it. So they make their way back to the camp. They were, it turns out they were really close to the trail. They were just off. So he saw that and he was so happy to see everyone. And Chaz apologized for all the things he'd done. Maybe he'll turn out right. All right. After all. Aww. And then Donnie... Um, realizes that he wouldn't have been able to climb if he had been any bigger. Uh, and then he th- he's like, I think everyone else realized it too, because no one teased me about my height after that. And, and that's basically the end of the episode. Chris basically reiterates some of the things that were mentioned in the episode. How you look on the outside isn't as important as who you are on the inside. And she talks about David and Samuel didn't when when Wit took him to that clearing, didn't he talk about David? Didn't he tell the story he of did, David? Yeah. He yeah, did. I he was like if for our listeners who don't know the story, God sends Samuel to this farmer's house to crown the new king, basically. He's like, This king Saul uh, is a bad king and we need a new king, and I'm gonna pick him and you're gonna go and tell him. So he goes and this guy has lots of sons and they're all like super buff and handsome and with everyone he's like oh this has got to be the guy yeah this is going to be the king oh yeah look this guy's so buff it's not any of them and then the youngest son comes in and he's just like a shepherd boy and god's like it's him and samuel's like are you sure like he's kind of weenie and god's like yeah it's him so that's and then samuel kind of like anoints him with God's purpose for his life. And according to Chris, he's Israel's greatest king. And that's kind of the end of the episode. So the only thing that I, the only other thing that 
I wanted to say about this last part is like, you know, how he realized he wouldn't have been able to climb the tree if he'd been any bigger, which is like, as long as you're still useful, being different doesn't matter that much. Yeah, there's, yes. there's no lesson about how like you have innate value as yeah. a person. It's just like, oh, I can you make being be. short useful. Yeah. You can use it to do something great. I think there's also a moment like when doesn't Wit directly muse like when he's talking about like if only we could get up higher. It's like I would climb a tree, but it's too dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Wouldn't it be great if a child would do it instead? Yeah. Just like directly endangers a child after thinking to himself about how dangerous it would be. Yeah. Well, Again. then he kind of like pathetically is like, oh, no, I can't let you do that. Oh, no, it's too dangerous. Okay, sure. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Because we were talking about, oh, well, Mitch, this is what I wanted to talk about. Okay. Can you tell us about your experience as being, of being a counselor and why you stopped being a counselor in the end? Jeez. I feel like we might need another three hours. Uh <laughs> But we can take it. We can have yeah, this totally. podcast can go as long as we want. Uh, sorry, people Stephen. People will love that. Yeah. Uh, th- there was a lot. This is, so. the best, this is the best part. Like when people it tell is, their yeah. stories. So, yeah. So I, I talked earlier about how everyone who was like the camper facing staff was there to give the kids a good time and have just a nice camp. And also, you know, you go to the chapel three times a day, which is a lot. For them, that was like fine and sufficient. But for the uh, leadership from the Canadian Sunday School mission, that was never enough. There was always pressure during devotionals. I think Candace linked a article on like how you're supposed to evangelize to a child to receive Christ. They um, have it. And, yeah, and they are like, like yeah. It's a resource on their website, on the One Hope Canada website. There is a whole thing about leading a child to Christ. They are like laser focused on that one issue. Like these camps are just supposed to be a factory. Like bang, 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 bang. Just manufacture, make sure the kids say the words. Good, done, great. You got them. And I was never comfortable with that. I was never comfortable with the pressure of it. I was never comfortable with how... uh, Speaker pastors were always very aggressive. They were aggressively anti-science. And uh, the church that I went to growing up, um, our our priest was, and you know, maybe there's a part here where like Anglican priests are educated, but it, he was he was a former engineer and he would talk in his sermons about like beautiful symmetry in God's creation. Um, and how science reveals this to us. And then I got to uh, Bible camp and I was barraged with like how evolution is Satan's lie Mm -hmm. that wants us to be reduced to monkeys. Um, And uh, like family members of mine who also went to Bible camp um, were like attacked with like extremely aggressive fire and brimstone stuff that, you know, I didn't experience because they knew that I was from a church background and they know that knew that this cousin of mine wasn't mm-hmm. and they basically like 
badgered and berated him into say the words at a at a campfire night um and his parents were like absolutely furious when they found out what had happened because that's a shitty thing to do to a child Mm -hmm. uh so i was always resisting doing that um even as i got continuously drawn into more responsibilities so like as an unpaid junior counselor one summer, uh, my senior counselor, the, the actual paid staff position with the adult responsibilities, um, was hospitalized, and I just kind of took up uh, his responsibilities. So there, there was kind of a uh, an expectation in the community, like, you know, you're going to be back next year, and you'll get paid, and uh, it'll be great. Um, and when I was going through the application process uh, that next year, it was like, okay, well, everything is, uh, you know, pretty much the same. There's just this one little thing. We have this statement of values for you to sign. Abstract, I don't disagree with the concept of if someone's going to be part of an organization that you're in, uh, they agree to a certain statement of values. But, and I wish I could dig up the actual document, like this statement of values um, was something that I absolutely would not sign, you know? Uh, there was stuff in there and it was it was written as like, and I'm very familiar with like policy documents now just because of other things that happened uh, in my adult life. Um, it was like a policy document, but every single phrase and sentence was backed up by a Bible verse reference, which oh, um, when they're that densely packed in, it's eerie. Like uh, my original plan was I was going to continue test it. I was going to be like, you know, I read these Bible verses that you're referencing, and I don't think that they mean what you are uh, construing them as here. That would have been a mistake. And uh, it's good that I didn't do it. But because I would just would have gotten my poor little heart crushed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was full of crap about like spiritual warfare and uh, like very fixated on the person of Satan as a uh, active role in the world. Um, Often I found that they were thinking and talking about uh, Satan more than God, identifying things like, you know, evolution, um, you know, homosexuality uh, as like actively malevolent, evil, corrupting forces. And uh, I just absolutely could not sign a document, uh, even like lying and pretending uh, to go along with it. So um, uh, at that point in my life, it was also coinciding with my exit from uh, the evangelical church in other parts of my life. So that made it easier. but, you know, it was a little sad to kind of leave behind um, a community that I had cared about. You know, I, I really liked putting on a nice camp for kids. And unfortunately, <laughs> um, you know, there aren't that many resources to put on these sorts of camps outside of the uh, evangelical charity uh, circuit. Because the, these are like nonprofit charitable organizations re- registered mm-hmm. under the government yeah. and receive federal funding to do some pretty fucked up stuff to to um, evangelize yeah. kids yeah yeah to yeah. try and convert yeah, kids sponsored i mean i've heard a lot about different kind of statements of faith and things that people need to sign for stuff but i haven't heard of one that was like that intense i know like for bible college most bible colleges make students sign things that are like i will not drink and i will not have sex mm. pretty much mm-hmm. yeah uh, um yeah, uh, I, I wish that, so there's, there is a CBC article that I linked that has a, so this, this practice fell under scrutiny um, in, what was it, 2014, 2016, um, 
there was a woman uh, in Prince George who had a similar circumstance. Uh, she was rejected from being hired on as staff because of her scandalous pro-LGBTQ stance. Um, this is so long. I think the article puts it as LGBT, but uh, put the Q in there, folks. So they have, and I and I recognized it, they have a screenshot in the CBC article of the document in question and like one of the eyebrow raising uh, segments. And the, uh, the article links to um, where they used to have those documents publicly uploaded for staff to download as part of the application process. That is no longer there or unavailable. They hid it. Um, they, they, yeah, they definitely hid it. Eye yeah. of public sc- mm-hmm. scrutiny. Yeah. We'll link, to, we'll link to that article in our show notes. It's just of a small block of text. So. Is that the mission personnel are required to avoid contact that is unethical or immoral? I think so. Or, yeah. That's one of them. Oh, yeah. Premarital, extramarital, or homosexual relationships. Listed in the same uh, block category as physical aggression, criminal activity, abusive behavior, harassment, sexual assault or abuse. Yeah. And porn. Yeah. All the worst things you could possibly do. Yeah. Just wrapped up in a little bundle. I um, picked up some boxes of just stuff from my Bible college days that was just at my parents' place. And um, I really want to look through some of it and see if I have like my old signed documents from college and stuff. Cause I had to oh, sign stuff like yeah. this. Yeah. We can put it on the Patreon. Um, yeah. I would, 100%. I would love to dig through those. I, I, I love, I love learning about, organizational culture through their documents that is oh, yeah. extremely my shit whatever i find i'll bring over to you man awesome yeah um but the fun thing about ours was there was some stuff that one of my one of my roommate when i was in college and she listens to our podcast so she's gonna appreciate this um she when i first got there we like went through it or i was like looking through it and she's like yeah, some of those that are there are because of me, because of like things that her and other students had done, like nice. throwing cups at each other in the cafeteria or like random stuff at two in the morning. Like there's like there was like a curfew and stuff like you had to be in your dorm by 11. And so hold on. Stuff did like they, that. And so they, they put- like included all that stuff of like, these are rules that you're not allowed to do. And so she like, that's because of me. That's because of this person. That one's because of this person. <laughs> She'd like tell me all the stories of why those rules were in there. It was my favorite. Like a specific no throwing cups rule. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was oh something my. like. Yeah. I think that's why they instigated a curfew because, like, two a.m. I think I may be getting the story wrong. She'll probably correct me on it when she hears it. But um, they were like in the cafeteria, just like whipping cups at each other. Because what else uh-huh. do you do at two a.m. on a weekend? <laughs> also, they're college students. Also, like, <laughs> also that. Yeah. yeah, they could be doing a lot worse things. Yeah. Well, and I think that in the culture, there's this cultural tension of like there's this very conscientious, deliberate effort to be like Christianity doesn't have to be boring. We are also cool. You can do <laughs> fun things. Um, and like at, at camp, you know, they would really go all in on it you know like you have shaving cream fights where you know you just shake up a can and blast each other with them and then after the camp leadership put on a shaving cream fight i had all of these completely filthy teenage boys that 
mm-hmm. and chapel was coming up. I was like, okay, guys, like get in the shower. You're not getting into coming into chapel like this. And uh, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation totally. because some of the counselors got lectured for taking dirty kids into the chapel. And I got lectured for being late to chapel because I was yeah. watching the kids. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, no winning. Do you want to talk a little bit about when you went back to camp? You were already kind of making your way out of evangelicism. Do you want to talk a little bit about like what led to that? Yeah. So I got entangled with evangelicism, you know, like friends and people that I uh, came to know uh, at Bible camp. Um, And I got involved in a church in uh, our, our city I started attending the evangelical youth group at my high school. Uh, I started getting dragged into leadership stuff. I started teaching sermons. I did that extremely cringy thing where you break your secular music CDs. Um, <laughs> you did. Our oldest brother did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have. Okay. Oh, it's good theater. I had a I had a friend in middle school who was she was really into NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And that was, those were her favorite CDs, but she made a pact with herself that for every time she listened to a secular CD, she would listen to a Christian CD twice so that it wouldn't have like wow, an undue influence. that sounds like a real recipe for fun to schedule Ooh, your leisurely music listening that way. That sounds like uh, just not listening to music ever again. Uh, so, you know, I, I was in moderately deep. I, uh, I went to YC, uh, and um, which started a theme because the first time I went to YC, I got my ass grabbed in a crowd. Um, YC uh, is the youth conference, uh, very (laughs) um, vaguely named. It's like a Christian music festival slash preaching jamboree. There are a bunch of bands. You go for several days, um, you know. There's uh, like big auditoriums. We were there for the, yeah, there's a big auditorium. We were there for the infamous snake guy who wrestled the spirit of Satan itself in the form oh, yes. of a rubber prop snake that he threw around the stage. I heard oh, the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, it, it was incredible <laughs> because the auditor, the entire Coliseum, and like this is the big, um, so like absolutely huge venue packed with kids and this was actually one of the uh one of the breaking points for me or how the cracks started forming because at yc you are so full of energy being with all these people who believe the same things you do and you're all hyped up and it's exciting and there's music this must be it this is what it's like to experience god this is what it's like to feel god we're feeling it here his presence is here and um that summer unfortunately um my friend's dad had taken me to a Metallica concert. And so unfortunately the veil was pulled from my eyes. I was like, this is just the feeling of enjoying some music in a stadium full of people who like the same thing as you. It was exactly the same. I don't think I was experiencing God at Metallica because they're a shitty band. It always made me so uncomfortable. Like I only went to YC once or twice. I don't, I can't even remember. I, I hated it both times. And, and I hated that like feeling when you're in that room and there's also all this, everyone is acting a certain way and there's all this unspoken pressure to be performing in a certain way 
to fit in, in this environment, right? Like, like even at a concert, like, oh, if you look a little bit uncomfortable, everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, like, like, you know, if you're raised in an environment where it's like, okay, you're not allowed to dance and rock music is like satanic. And then you go to a concert, like, of course you're going to be uncomfortable. Now I'm giving you like very specific details about, I'm talking about myself here, mm-hmm. but um, no, it's all, it's and the all last right. thing it's... that you want is like someone to draw attention to that. And I, and I just felt like that same thing at YC, like I feel really uncomfortable. Everyone around me is like standing and raising their hands. I don't want to do that. That doesn't feel genuine to me. But also if I don't do that, I'm getting like, Oh look, I'm getting disapproving looks from people. People are coming over and like asking me if I'm okay. Cause the assumption then is like, Oh, you must not be right with God or you know, there's like all this other stuff with it. And I just hated it because it all felt so manufactured. (laughs) Part of why I think I got such a reputation for, you know, like my deep, wise, abiding faith in God while I was having a total crisis in faith and realizing that I didn't believe any of it uh, was that I got very good at establishing body language to look Mm -hmm. like I was in, you know, a, a, a deep uh, ecstatic state that involved sitting down and bending over and not engaging in what was going on. Um, <laughs> because, you know, once you, once you realize the trick, it's so alienating. It is so alienating. Oh, I did that, but I would just write in my journal. So then I would nice. always look like I was having like a spiritual moment with God or whatever. And I was usually like writing a poem or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Like choice. at youth at YC? You would do that? At church. Well, and later at church, once you got like the invisible earbuds, you just started listening to. I did. Or I'd like watch tutorials for like graphic design stuff. So when I was at YC and um, I I should um, beyond like just getting my ass grabbed, um, I I, I guess content warning for sexual assault because like this next part is like pretty upsetting. So a dear friend of mine um, was sexually assaulted by her boyfriend at YC. I'm not going to go into like the, uh, the full details. It's not my, my story to tell or anything. Pretty upsetting and um, went out of his way to also verbally abuse and de- dehumanize her. Like it, This was not a uh, uh, misunderstanding. My poor trusting friend uh, went to the church community um, and they sided with her boyfriend, who was the pastor's son, and she made the mistake of going to the police, and the police did absolutely nothing, assuming that she could have possibly been telling the truth. They just straight up told her, do you know how much trouble you can get in for trying to ruin a young man's life Dear like God. this? That's awful. That, is, that is the anyway. policy of the police. They're like, women are always lying. That's like, that's their default. That's terrible. So uh, that kind of, you know, there there had been a lot of tensions. I'd been struggling with my faith because um, like, you know, for uh, intellectual reasons, I'd been having trouble grappling with it. Uh, Emotionally, I'd been having trouble grappling with it. You know, uh, there was a whole lot of things that rung hollow about how (laughs) people would... uh, in private, intimate to me that like, I just can't feel God. I'm not sure mm-hmm. he's there. I just want to experience mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was starting to realize like, I don't think anyone is, but 
uh, I still very much like culturally and because of the community that I was in, you know, I wanted to believe. I wanted to believe and I put in a lot of work for it. And, but then when this happened, um, it all really came crashing down. I was like, oh shit, these people are monsters. And I'm putting in all of this effort to try and be a part of something that I hate. And it hates me. It, it yes. wants, it wants a version. It wants a version of me that I don't want to be. Yes. It wants a version of me that is monstrous yeah. And the insidious, horrible thing was I could have become that and it would have never, I would have been fine. You I would have been had fine. To, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. would have been fine. But you also wouldn't have, you know? Right. Like, no, no, but like the, the thing is, is that like, you know, I, I wouldn't have been the main casualty. It's all of the yeah. people who are horrifically victimized by these communities and how they defend and support predatory horrific shit so that that kind of uh, broke me and um i left yeah and yeah. i just like i wish that wasn't such a common story because it's so hor- like every case is yeah. so horrific and it's so common in so many churches uh my my friend she's she's great now like she's really tough she's a survivor she's doing in- incredible um, just for the record so years later this pastor's son who sexually assaulted uh this n- now a grown woman contacted her and said that like uh you know uh do you want to talk she agreed to meet with him I'm not quite sure what was quite going to happen but you know maybe an apology um an apology is not exactly what happened because when they met he did the most iconically evangelical thing i can imagine which was that he told her that it was hurting him that she hadn't forgiven him uh right and that yeah, she needed to do that oh so mad yeah yeah uh, so that, that's yeah. that's the punchline because that's um, not even an apology no, not even close. Oh my god! No, it's a you owe. You need to forgive me. Yeah, you owe me a, an apology. Yeah. Almost like I can't believe yeah, basically, you yeah. should apologize for having not forgiven me and just forgive me. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's straight yeah. up evil. It is. It is. I mm-hmm. um, you know, for the most part, I uh, try to give people credit that they are trying to get by and muddle through even if like we are really screwed up i still have a a faith in like the fundamental potential for goodness in people Mm -hmm. and for the most part you know i don't believe in supernatural evil but i have exceptions and it's this (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) and it's stuff like this again that like makes me somewhat gnostic because i'm like yeah if you as an organization are supporting and perpetrating evil in the world, how can you be, how can you really believe you're following the good guy? You know? Oh, the the God that they worship is not good. Yeah. No, no. Man. Yeah. Might even be the devil. (laughs) Pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, I'm glad he left. Yeah. I'm also glad. I'm, I'm glad so many people have left. Yeah. Me too. 
I feel like when I meet people who are kind of on the edge or like on their way out, I feel so hopeful for them. I'm like, this is the beginning of a better life for you. Yeah. And and it is like. Mm -hmm. Karis had kind of a similar gaslighting experience. Yeah. With her ex. And that's, and that's why I left the church. Yeah. Like everyone took his side. Yeah. Basically. After he was really abusive. Yeah. And I think like sexually assaulted another girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's so common. Yeah. 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 Um, at the time it, it took me quite a while, um, you know, and it wasn't until I started participating in uh, proper actual leftist political spaces and receiving more of like a formal education from like, you know, women who were far smarter and more educated than me about any of this that like, I thought that I knew mm-hmm. and I, I absolutely didn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, And there was a lot that I didn't realize I had to unlearn because I had always kind of thought that I was above a lot of the bullshit, but, um, Mm -hmm. you, you don't, you don't wade through bullshit and come out clean. It is. Sometimes it's hard to talk to men because of that exact thing. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, but you don't like, you just, you don't, and you don't even understand how much you don't. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's something that I'm often struggling with and failing at because, um, you know, I always want to be on top of something and like in a conversation, like, oh, I have something to contribute. And uh, sometimes you absolutely have to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, And it's really hard to unlearn. Yeah. I still haven't. I feel like that is something that is not really in male socialization you get value by being the guy who knows about everything, you know? Yeah. So I think we should just wrap up. Um, Yeah. And then I'll get these files downloading. So thank you so much for today um, and sharing so many. Yeah. Yeah. We will definitely have you back. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, thank you for having me. This was great. Um, I mean, uh, hopefully people can't find me online. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't have a personal brand to uh, cultivate. <laughs> yes, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if people want to find me, uh, tough luck. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch, for being here. This was a blast. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you want to see more of our content, just, you know, see more of what's going on. Follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Ideology Podcast. Or uh, if you want to hear some more behind the scenes content, find us on Patreon at Ventures and Ideology. Talk about not adventures in odyssey we talk about a whole swath of other things it's very much everything else yeah yeah highly recommend (laughs) it's only five bucks a month 
and you get a lot of fun other content. So yeah, check us out. I heard your first Patreon episode and it was incredible. So absolutely subscribe. Oh, there's so much chaos that's going to have to get clipped from this last part. Okay. All right. <laughs>